Steph. Am I on? One, I am, there you go. Wonderful. Uh, as Steph mentioned, this morning is a bit, is it because I'm too close to my phone, a bit echoey I feel. Um, today is Aboriginal Sunday. Uh, it's a chance for us to be able to reflect, to be able to remember, to be able to um, connect with the experience of our Indigenous brothers and sisters. Uh, Steph mentioned that we, this is not something that we are doing alone as Glen Osmond, but it's something that is part of a, a broader movement within the Australian church. Uh, and there are about 350 churches which have signed up uh, for Aboriginal Sunday this year. Uh, so it's a privilege to be part of it. Uh, Common Grace do some amazing work in helping provide churches uh, with resources and ideas to be able to help connect uh, with this day. Uh, they're the ones who provided the Acknowledgement of Country video, which I thought was beautiful. They've got some other bits and pieces that we'll see later on in the service. Uh, one of the things that I, I looked at their website, they had a few suggestions uh, for passages to help connect with uh, the topic of today. And one of those was Micah 6, verse 8, uh, which is quite a special verse for me and for our family. Uh, it is actually the verse that our second born is named after. Uh, so Micah is named after Micah 6 verse 8. Uh, it was something that we were kind of, Laura and I were connected with, a group that we were seeking to, to know how, as our church at the time, we could actually enact this and how we could live this out. Uh, and it's what we hope and pray for him as he grows up, that he'll be somebody who will. Uh, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Both of our kids' names in some ways represent kind of our, our view of what it means to be a Christian. It's about grace, about, not about ourselves, not about our actions or our efforts. It's about what God has done for us, his, his free gift when he died on the cross for us. It's about his grace which he has given to us. It's not about us, it's about what he has done for us. And then our response to that, our response to the incredible, immense love which has been shown and displayed and poured upon us is to respond with our lives bent towards acting justly, loving mercy and seeking to walk humbly with God. It's a bit of a, a background on, uh, on the Swan family uh, that you might not know, have known before and why our children are named the way they are. Um, but yeah, so like I said, this particular passage and this particular scripture is quite important and significant uh, for us and for me in terms of the way I think about life and faith and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, but I think it's worth stopping and actually seeing how this verse fit within its context that in the time that it was spoken. Because I think sometimes we can do that. We can pick a verse... Uh, and we can use it, and, and sometimes it can really be special and significant, but when we actually are able to place that in its actual time frame and see what it was actually saying, it can sometimes add to the richness of it for us, and that can actually add to the verse. And that's certainly been my experience with this verse from Micah. Uh, Micah was a prophet to the people of Israel, and he came to the people of Israel. It was kind of, if you know your biblical history, the kind of the people come into the land, take possession of the land of Israel, and things go all right for a fairly short period of time, uh, and eventually the kingdom splits into two halves. There's a northern kingdom, uh, which is the majority of the tribes, 10 of the tribes, Israel. They 
confusingly called themselves the same name that when they were all 12 were together. Uh, but you've got the North Kingdom of Israel and the South Kingdom of Judah, um, which is two of the tribes. And uh, Micah lived in the South Kingdom in this time when the kingdom was divided. We know later on the Assyrians are going to come and they're going to essentially take away the majority of the people from the North Kingdom Israel. And then later the Babylonians are going to take some from the south into exile. So uh, Micah's living in the southern kingdom and he's looking around at some of the stuff that's happening in the nation around him and he is upset. He's concerned. God is upset and God is concerned because uh, in Micah's time, Israel's leaders, the people that were supposed to be leading and guiding the people, had become extraordinarily wealthy and they'd made it their focus and their aim to obtain more. And they'd done this through threat, through theft and through greed. They ran the country through injustice. They bent God's law that was instituted to care for the poor, to care for the oppressed. They had bent that and they had changed things to be able to favour the wealthy at the expense of the poor. They were selling poor people's land to other people that they wanted because they couldn't afford to be able to work the land, which was actually a direct violation of some of God's laws earlier on in the Old Testament. Uh, but it wasn't just the leaders who were corrupt and were causing issues, because there were other prophets around in Micah's time. Uh, they weren't like Micah. Micah listened to God and he spoke what God told him to say, even though it was not going to be popular amongst the religious leaders and amongst the people, some of the people that he was speaking to. Uh, the prophets of Micah's contemporaries, prophets, uh, they spoke God's favour to the highest bidder. So you could buy God's blessing through one of these prophets. So you've got the leaders who are fleecing people, the poor, the oppressed, they're, they're bending the legal system to favour them and their rich friends to be able to hoard more wealth. And then with this wealth that they've then got at the expense of the poor and the oppressed, they're then paying the prophets to say, oh, God blesses these people. God's with these people. And Micah turns up and he is just like, God is grieved at what is happening in the nation of Israel at this time. God, you know, these people are doing all these things and then they're coming to the temple and they're offering sacrifices. They're offering burnt offerings and olive oil and all these things, these religious duties to try and earn God's acceptance. They're trying to do the right things in the kind of legal ticking the box kind of way, but their whole life shows that they actually aren't for what God is for. And so actually God rejects their offerings because it's not what he truly desires. God's call for these people, for his people, is for them to change their hearts. Is to have a change not just in terms of what they do and their religious duty, but a change that's going to radically change who they are and how they live. To act justly, to actually seek justice for those who need it, 
for those who they have been oppressing further and, and stopping from being able to access the justice that God had promised them, to seek mercy, to actually love forgiveness and to forgive those which have done the wrong thing to them and to actually not make it all about themselves, to walk humbly with God, acknowledging that he is the source of all good gifts. He is the source of life. He's the source of everything we have. We want to serve and honor him. And so we've got to think about ourselves and our position, our security and our wealth less and be more concerned with what God has for us. I think it's important to note that this passage in Micah is not simply about doing stuff. It's about why we are doing the things that we do. It is about the heart behind what we do, which actually is harder to see and judge because that's invisible. God cares about the invisible things behind what we are doing. These people are offering sacrifices. They're bringing grain. They're bringing olive oil. They're doing the right things. You could look and go, wow, look at that. They've offered all these animals, all this grain. They've given so much money away. They must be doing good in God's sight. But God is concerned with the inside. He's concerned with the heart, the stuff that we can't see. Sometimes we make judgments by what we can see. But the passage makes clear you can do all the right stuff and still be far from God. And we have certainly come across those people uh, in our times and over our lives, people who have uh, had the appearance of doing the right thing, of serving, of caring for others, but their hearts were bent towards selfish motives and desires. God wants our whole lives to be governed by a desire for justice. No, no, actually, it's more than just a vague desire for justice, a yearning for this. God actually tells us to act justly. God doesn't say desire justice. I I wish that somebody else would help bring justice. And that's the trap that we can so easily fall into. Yeah, justice, that sounds great. Somebody should really do something about that. And God's like, yeah, yeah, act justly. That's what he calls us to do. It's about us acting justly. It's about us doing something ourselves. How we treat others. God is still concerned for the poor and the oppressed. He still desires his people to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with him. But what does all this look like in Australia in 2024? And part of my thinking on this, and part of the reason why I wanted to preach on this passage today for Aboriginal Sunday, was because of something that I heard a few years ago. Uh, There's a pastor from Scotland whose name is Mez McConnell. He might actually be on the screen behind me. Uh, He's a pastor in Scotland, uh, and Scotland actually is a very interesting nation. Uh, It's an interesting nation because it has one of the highest poverty rates in terms of a Western country in the world. So there are over a million people in Scotland who are living in poverty. A million of a five million population. 
One in five people in Scotland are living in poverty. 500,000 are living in deep poverty. And so Mez McConnell, this pastor from Scotland, came to Australia in 2018 and he spoke at uh, a big conference called Church in Hard Places. And certainly, as he came, he spoke, it was clear that he was living what the conference was about. And he did a series of three talks at this conference. Uh, you can still listen to them on the Gospel Coalition website. They're fantastic talks. He's a really engaging speaker and has some really great insights in terms of what it means to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Uh, but as part of his three talks, one of the things that really stuck with me was Mez, who came and had visited Australia and was looking around at our Australian landscape, was able to identify who those are that are needing justice and mercy in Australia. And he looked around at our nation, he said, it's your First Nation people. It's the indigenous people of Australia. These are the people who the system has worked against. Micah, in his book, condemns the leaders for taking and selling the land of the poor and the oppressed. Sound familiar? These leaders of Israel cared, created systems to further oppress the poor. It's not hard to see the equivalent for our life here in Australia. The call for God's people is to act on behalf of these people, to seek justice, not necessarily for ourselves, but for the oppressed, those who might not have a voice themselves. So today, on Aboriginal Sunday, I think it's worth noting this. I think it's worth praying about this. And this isn't... I don't want there to be any sort of sense of guilt here. I'm not trying to promote some sort of agenda. This does not have anything to do with how you may have voted in the recent referendum. It's not about that. It's about seeking to love and care for our Aboriginal brothers and sisters at a time which is difficult for them. They've picked this Sunday. They've chosen this Sunday for Aboriginal Sunday. And they've said, please join with us on the Sunday before Australia Day. I heard an Indigenous speaker a few years who spoke that December and January is a really problematic time for them because they start seeing all the news articles and all the people start voicing their opinions about how they should feel, about what they should think, about how, what, what everyone should be doing in response to this. And sometimes it can be really hard and really hurtful for them to read this with their own experience, giving a very different lens to how they view this day. And so it's about us thinking about what we can do. And there's so many things, it almost is overwhelming. There's a local Aboriginal Berean church here in Adelaide. We have a great relationship with them. Pastor Don's spoken here at Glen Osmond. Uh, I had a phone call with him in January and he said he would love if maybe a few Sundays people might be willing to get a group from Glen Osmond to go and just join them. But they don't want us to go and like fix them. They just want fellowship with their Christian brothers and sisters. They want a relationship with us. They want us to be able to come alongside them. And so he said, maybe there could be a Sunday where you guys get a, a group of people who come down and visit us 
and join us for one of our church services. What a great idea. There are a whole range of different ideas of what we could do to be able to act justly uh, and love mercy and walk humbly with God on behalf of our Indigenous brothers and sisters. But for today, today what I want to do is I want to start with prayer. I believe if we want real change in our lives, we must begin with prayer. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is significant. Uh, Common Grace have also provided uh, a prayer for reconciliation written by an Indigenous man, uh, a Kenoli, and Ladil man has written this prayer of reconciliation uh, for us. Karen's going to come and lead us in this in just a moment. I wanted to show this to you so that you could see this. Uh, it's a beautiful prayer. Uh, I'm not sure if we've got it on the screen. Have on the screen, Phil? I put it in the smallest pocket. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it'll come up on the screen eventually. Um, it's a fantastic prayer. I read, read through this during the week. Uh, and as it comes up, you can have a look at it. Karen's going to pray it for us. Uh, I've also put a copy of this prayer out in the foyer with a blank piece of paper next to it. If you want to join in praying this prayer, if you want to commit yourselves to the reconciliation outlined by this Indigenous man and you pray this, can I invite you and encourage you to sign the blank piece of paper as a way of actually physically embodying something to say, yes, I want to connect with this. I want to commit myself to this sort of reconciliation. Karen? slowly I'm going to pause here and there so um, feel free to repeat the words in your head or read them on the screen or however you feel like you want to engage let's do it like that um, and see how we go so um, so this prayer is by Joshua Lane um, and so let's pray with him our father our creator we humbly come before you today acknowledging the weight of our shared history in Australia We acknowledge that we are all made in your image and called to live in harmony with one another. Yet as a nation, we've fallen short of this calling. We ask for your guidance and wisdom to enable us to become agents of change in the pursuit of reconciliation with one another. I'm gonna repeat that. We ask for your guidance and wisdom to enable us to become agents of change in the pursuit of reconciliation with one another. We pray for the courage to speak up for the marginalised and oppressed and be a voice for the generations that have suffered under the weight of racism and discrimination. 
May your love and grace inspire us to take action towards healing and reconciliation and to work and to walk work towards a future where we are all treated with dignity and respect. Help us to listen to the voices of those who have been silenced for too long and to work together to see restoration and healing. May we be guided by your love and grace and may our actions be a reflection of your goodness. May your Holy Spirit guide us towards a future where love, mercy and compassion reign. We pray for your hand to be upon us as we, walk, we work towards reconciliation and we entrust our efforts into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Karen. I'm going to invite Andrew and Annette to come up. Um, we're going to